lump off mom. What's wrong with me? Can you keep your evil doing quiet? Finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here. Unacceptable! I'm not cut out for adventuring. Finn, you messed the beat up. I just want to sit here and moan. Then I'll moan with you, buddy. <gasps> Hello, folks. This is a Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast. I am Open Mike Eagle. I also host a podcast, Secret Skin, and I'm here with John Moe, and we are back for a new season of Conversation Parade. How are you, John? I'm good. A new season of Conversation Parade, a new season of Adventure Time. There is a lot going on. I'm so excited about all of this. I can barely contain myself. <laughs> we got two episodes out so far that we've seen. Bonnie and Nettie and Varmints. Yeah, we're going to talk about both of those on today's program. And we're going to hear from Ashley Birch, my interview with Ashley Birch. She's a really interesting person. She uh, has acted on Adventure Time. She played Breezy, the bee that falls in love with Finn. And oh. as of this season, she's one of the writers on Adventure Time. Also, she's going to tell us what that's like. It's weird. It's kind of like writing fan fiction. <laughs> that's Ashley Birch coming up in just a bit. These episodes are coming fast and furious. So we'll have another episode of Conversation Parade coming out on Saturday after this week of new Adventure Time episodes. Next week, we're going to have some more new Conversation Parade episodes all about this uh, Mars Marceline miniseries called Stakes. So you want to tune in for all these new conversations on the Conversation Parade. But for now, we got a lot of work to do. We got heavy lifting to do, John. We got to dig into these first two new Adventure Time episodes. Uh, the first one being Bonnie and Nettie. Bonnie and Nettie. You watched it. I watched it. What do you think? I am so obsessed with Nettie. I'm so obsessed with Nettie. Now, Nettie is Princess Bubblegum's younger brother, who is a dragon, who we discover uh who lives in the bowels of the candy castle and sucks tree roots and then, uh, I guess, secretes candy juice, which powers the entire candy kingdom. How just, you know, uh, stealthily, the, oh, all of a sudden, yeah, she's got a brother. What? <gasps> yeah, I know. A brother? <laughs> and he's a dragon? What? <gasps> And he's a very timid dragon who sucks tree roots all day long. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's weird. I mean, you know, the first point of my obsession with this is just kind of uh, that we're given this quick slice of PB's history. And we've talked a lot about how um, PB is a character who seems to have been around, ooh, in some form for so long. We have so little of her backstory. So I was really excited to have this this uh, this kind of peak into something important. Uh, I mean, we actually see her formation along with her brother out of the mother gums. I'm like instantly mind blown from that point forward. So the mother gum is just this pink, like stalactite stuff from which drops two blobs who become Princess Bubblegum and, and Nettie. Right. And when Nettie is born, I mean, well, we see them both kind of fall into formation out of the mother gum um bubble gum kind of falls politely lands gingerly and is uh sentient and seemingly somewhat happy and then when Nettie drops from the mother gum he falls on a pointed rock and so at the point of his birth there's this intense pain and he starts crying out And uh, he's just instantly seeming to be filled with this uh, this pain 
an anxiety that uh that doesn't seem to subside until he finds that root to suck on and begins to calm down. Yeah. So he's he's a creature if if Bonnebel, I guess, Bonnie or the the gum creature that becomes Bonnebel Bubblegum the princess, if she's born out of love or contentment, he's born out of I guess fear and pain and anxiety. Right. right. And this um it's it's interesting to me as a metaphor, if you look at the fact that he sucks on this root to calm himself down and secretes this fluid. And then the juice goes in all those drains. This, this is the lifeblood of the whole kingdom. Power, defense, recreation, this is everything. Then it could be said that anxiety kind of powers the entire system. Like everything is kind of based around the anxiety of this, this creature who was kind of born in trauma. Right, which is, and then it's really no surprise that the Candy Kingdom always has an undercurrent of anxiety to it. Like you right. always get the sense that it's a society that maybe is not on the brink of collapse, but you can see collapse from here. And, you know, there's there's kind of this emotional awareness to the show that um, that's always attracted me to it once I really started paying attention to it. And uh, I haven't often been able to put into words, like what is it about the sensitivity of these characters that draws me in? But Nettie, to me, is like this perfect example of this emotional awareness of the show, like just showing this character that's just kind of born into pain. And you have all of this. Uh, you can imagine how many different ways the character might have turned out if it weren't for this initial um, painful moment at birth and this creature having no way to really deal or no um, emotional equipment to deal with this initial pain. And um and how, you know, like the, the character almost seems to be stuck in this in this uh, developmental phase a- after having suffered such a traumatic event very early on. But it also made me think about how many other characters in a story are kind of traumatized as well. Um, like we have, you know, Marceline being abandoned at a young age. We don't know all the circumstances behind that just yet. Um, you have Simon having been traumatized by, um, you know, by losing his mind but also losing his 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 companion Betty yeah right um Finn is kind of born alone (laughs) Uh uh-huh and in the earth as we know it in Adventure Time after the Mushroom War like everything is kind of post-trauma like it's all gone through these big horrible uh events and so like almost all of our characters in some sense are post-traumatic and I think that's really kind of underscored and put forward with the introduction of this Nettie character well, yeah, I mean, you have this war, and from there sprang so many delightful things. A, a hot dog princess, a wild berry princess, a, a snow golem. Like, you have everybody having created the land of ooh, this this new society that is optimistic and largely cheerful, uh, lich notwithstanding, but th- but with an undercurrent of of post-traumatic stress through the whole thing. Right. I mean, you know, and I wonder, is there is there some undercurrent of pink dragon juice in our society? Is there some pain that powers all of us that we just can't see? Like, wouldn't that be interesting if, like, water just turned out to be the tears of some giant <laughs> monster? <laughs> and we had no idea. We're just using it and and reusing it. And it just seems to become and, and we learn later that it's coming from some sentient source and it's pain right there's a sentient giant uh way up in space and that is and he's crying all the time 
and uh, and we need we need his sadness. <laughs> we need these tears. We got to keep tears coming. Got to keep the space giant sad. Yeah. Maybe that's what religion's all about, Mike. Wow, keeping the space giant sad. I think that's the title of your next book. I think so. Who's crying? I am. Whoa. Aw, what's wrong, fella? You crying boulders? Yes, I am sad. Okay, so the mother gum, the mother figures prominently in the Bonnie and Nettie episode. And there's also a rather unusual mother in varmints. I would agree that it is a mother and it is also unusual. <laughs> it's a mother and... And, you know, it's funny because after having seen that episode and seeing that creature, I never once thought of it as a mother until you just mentioned that. It right has now. babies, though. That does. It does have babies. So that that much can't be taken away from it. But it's behavior <laughs> in general. It does, to be fair, shoot its, its babies at enemies. And the yeah. babies, like the mother, are mostly just uh, teeth on four legs running around and and being menacing. Oh my gosh, so many teeth. You know what it looked like to me? It looked like very many um, 8-bit era video game bosses. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a lot of those. It's just teeth. It's a very challenging arms. level. Yeah. So in this episode, uh, it starts with Marceline going to visit Princess Bubblegum at the castle, only to find that the King of Ooh is the new princess in town, and he's <laughs> wearing Princess Bubblegum's clothes. Ugh. He says, tell Bubblegum I wear her nightgown. Tell everyone. <laughs> and it is, I don't know, an Andy Daly. Uh, God. <laughs> and so then when Marceline catches up with uh, Princess Bubblegum, or now really Bonnie because she's been stripped of her title, she's living on the, in the shack. And uh, she says that now she has a, a new kingdom. She has a garden kingdom. Uh, consisting of herself, Peppermint Butler, some stars in the sky up above, and pumpkins, which she says are 100% loyal garden citizens. <laughs> and the problem that she's running into is that uh, varmints are getting into her pumpkins. You know, here's another bubblegum as creator question. I mean, does this, do these varmints fall under the realm of things that she has somehow engineered as well? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, they're... They're technically in the Candy Kingdom, I suppose, even though... Right, as King of Wu says, that technically falls under the jurisdiction of the Candy Kingdom. Right, right. So I I hadn't thought of that because what struck me about it, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking as she's down in the tunnel with Marceline, they're remembering old times that they've had. Uh, Marceline is teasing Bonnie for being all prim and prissy and, and prepared for anything. And Bonnie says, Yeah, I have to be always so prepared. We can't all just wing it. I didn't have to always worry about so many things, you know? The Candy Kingdom used to be so small, so manageable. Then it kept growing and growing, and there was always some new disaster to prepare against. And so you really see her wearing her responsibility like a yoke around her neck. I mean, it's uh, I've been giving this a lot of thought what to ultimately take away from this episode, because she she has a bit of a breakdown when she realizes that she's right. lost everything. She's lost her subjects. She's lost her castle. She's lost her favorite snapback baseball cap. I can't even keep darn varmints out of my pumpkin patch. Oh, Bonnie. I tried. I really, really tried. I just, I thought that if I shut everything out and just focused on work, it would all be okay. 
Look where that landed me. You know, she's having a huge crisis of identity, it seems. Uh, like you said, she's wearing her responsibilities as a yoke. And at some point, it seemed that her idea of herself became very intertwined with this idea of creating, nurturing, and controlling, and maintaining the system that became the Candy Kingdom. And trying to figure out, you know, some new mode of existence in this you know, sit on the porch with a shotgun, <laughs> looking over, you know, looking over the field, kind of libertarian existence. She's trying to see if her identity still persists, if the way that she sees herself, herself still persists, if she doesn't have these responsibilities that she created for herself and that she's used to. And you're right, she breaks down when she, you know, she, she seems to be losing everything that she identifies herself with and she's trying to figure out a way forward from that. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you think about it, We've only occasionally and only very recently come to regard this character as being named Bonnie. Everybody, us included, the viewer included, has known her by her job title. She has defined Ugh. her life by her job. Great point. Yeah. Which is a dangerous thing for anybody to do. And then when the job is taken away, she's kind of at a loss of 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 how to define herself. I mean, I th- wow. I think a lot of us... Uh, have gone through similar things to that where, you know, what you do through your work, you feel it defining you because especially if you're in a public position like, oh, princess, rapper, writer, radio (laughs) host, (laughs) Um, the way other people are perceiving you is, is how you're getting your own identity. And that, that's when it gets really dangerous. Absolutely. I, um, Way before I met you, ever, I used to have really, really long dreadlocks. Uh-huh. Um, I had grown them um, to the point where I, when I actually did cut them, it had been, I think, 13 years since I grew them. So they were like all the way down the middle of my back. And I remember early on, I was like, I'm going to cut these after 10 years uh, just so that, you know, I had a, a goal or something. I don't know why I said that, but I had made that commitment to myself. And I can remember around year 10. Uh, just kind of not being able to do it uh-huh. and it was part of that it was that same deal like I saw myself as this guy with long hair and I did not know if I would still be me if I didn't have hair like it was that it had become that much uh, how I saw myself you know right yeah. so I, I wonder you know by the end of this episode she has had these epiphanies the uh, <laughs> the the varmints aren't really destroyed but they're away for the moment and she's the episode ends with her and marceline her friend on the porch and and bubblegum getting some some rest and i i don't know like i'm i tried to come to some conclusions as to what i thought that meant and i'm still kind of conflicted because i don't know if it means that she is finally at peace because she can be in the moment dealing only with what's in front of her and being at rest like Marceline is like Finn and Jake are like most other characters are. I don't know if if she achieves that happy, contented state of being, or is it just that she realizes the futility of trying to maintain order in a chaotic and ever exploding and collapsing universe? I think that she just kind of survived that moment and she's still figuring it all out. 
I think it has shed some light on her benevolent fascist period uh, in her in her government uh, when she was spying on everybody and and kind of manipulating everything. Now we we find out that that was a result of insecurity and a result of just trying to keep everything running. It makes me wonder if down the road, if we're going to see her just staying in that house, just her and Peppermint Butler hanging out, whether they will rebuild from that house a new kingdom with with pumpkins and and other new subjects coming along, or if she'll return to the Candy Kingdom, because let's be honest, this King of Ooth thing can't last forever. Oh my goodness. It, it, uh, it, it, I am exasperated already. Two episodes in. I can't stand them. Please, go away. This is it, fellas. The only spot of the kingdom left unscoured during my treasure census. I'm afraid it'll explode or something if I open it. But I really think there could, nay, there might be precious treasures in there. So I want you two to do it. <gasps> Ashley Birch has been the voice of many characters on Adventure Time, notably Breezy, the bee who fell in love with Finn. I love your flower, and and I think I love you. Now you can partake of my pollen crumbles and become my drone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it casual, bee. And she played Cheryl in that uh, somewhat disturbing episode about <laughs> Super Porp. This is a super special baby. A destiny baby, selected by my loyal delivery drones to take my place as high mascot Cheryl. She is now a writer's apprentice on Adventure Time. Ashley Birch, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. How did you first get involved with Adventure Time? I was uh, I was cast as Breezy, and I actually still don't know how that happened. But yeah, I, I met everyone when I recorded Breezy, and then uh, Kent Osborne and I um, became friends. Kent's the head writer, of course, and the voice right. director. Uh, for Adventure Time. And one day he mentioned that they were looking for writers and asked if I wanted to to test. And uh, I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I got the job. Oh, nice work. What Thank What does a you. test consist of? It's just you go into the writers' meetings for like two weeks. And then you uh-huh. just, it's just kind of you're observed and see like what your ideas are like, how you mesh with the other writers and et cetera. Well, it sounds kind of intimidating in that you need to probably seem like you're very much at ease while knowing that you're being evaluated by everybody around you. Was that, <laughs> was that, did that make you nervous? It was intimidating because I love the show so much and it, you know, it, it would have been, had I not gotten in it, it would have been a huge uh, bummer, but I also worked in writer's rooms before. So okay. it wasn't my first experience having to be collaborative on the spot and, and then come up with ideas and, and sort of not worry about censoring yourself and that kind of thing. Well, let's let's back up to this. Uh, one of the things you've done before, which is, hey, Ash, what you playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, what is, hey, Ash, what you playing? Hey, Ash, what you playing is a silly, uh, surreal kind of sketch comedy web series about video games uh, that uh-huh. I do with my brother and our friend Justin. Hey, Ash, what you playing? Guitar Hero. so annoying. You miss a long note and then you just have to stand there and wait until it ends. I'm going to poop in your bed. What? It's dumb. <laughs> it's just it's just silly and, and fun and uh, includes lots of fart jokes. The Ashley in that series is uh, is thankfully not 
like you in real life because I think I would be a little scared to talk to you if you were like that in real life. <laughs> no, yeah, she's definitely a lot more uh, homicidal and insane than I am in real life. <laughs> All right, she poops in beds. She does. Yeah. She's basically a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and these are incredible. One of the thing, one of the clips that I saw has had well over a million uh, views. Yeah, we've been super lucky. Um, when we made them, we weren't anticipating anyone watching them either. Um, like we kind of just said, well, like, we'll do this for ourselves. It'll be fun. You know, no one will see it, but it doesn't matter. And, uh, and then people actually responded to it. So, um, it was surprising to say the least. Was that your first big foray into, into performance? Because you've, you know, you've done various video games and anime series. You've done a lot of different things. Did it all start with that, with Hey Ash, What You Playing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd done, you know, I'd done like... Some school plays and stuff like that, but that was uh-huh. the first time that I'd really kind of went all all in on something in, in terms of helping to create it and to write it and to perform in it. It was just, it was my first, like, this is a real project that I'm going to commit myself to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and kind of basically everything has come from Hey Ash. It's sort of scary to think about if we'd never done that show. <laughs> <laughs> How has that prepared you for Adventure Time? You know... I think a big part of Hey Ash was just learning to shake off some of my nervousness when it comes to collaborating, because I think, especially when you're starting, and honestly, especially being a, um, a woman and a young woman, there is a reticence and, and I think a pressure that you put on yourself and also a um, fear or maybe expectation even that you can't, you can't do this, like you can't run with it, you can't keep up. Like when we started Hey Ash, I, I didn't start writing for like a season because I just, I was too nervous. And then with my brother's encouragement and, and working on it more and riffing with him um, while we were filming and stuff like that, I, I realized that I had more of a handle on it than I thought that I did. And then I started sort of dipping my toe in more and more. So honestly, if I hadn't gone through that process, I think if I'd had the opportunity to um, go into that, uh, that writer's room in Adventure Time, I probably would have choked. Now, d- describe a little bit about uh, what a writer's room with Adventure Time is like? Because I know Jack Pendarvis is in Mississippi. I think Steve Wolfhart is, is up in Canada somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. th- this isn't necessarily just uh, a bunch of people sitting around on, on comfy couches throwing Nerf balls at each other. <laughs> if you've never um, had access to or, or heard a writer's room spoken about, it's mostly, it's honestly just the main, the important thing about a writer's room is just sort of ease and allowing, allowing ideas to come and sometimes that means that for a half an hour you're talking about a movie that you saw this weekend or uh-huh. you're complaining about a stupid thing that someone did to you <laughs> whatever it is like you you kind of have there has to be some sort of fluidity to it and you sort of can't really you can't force anything it's really just about having conversations it's it's very casual and again the main thing with the writers room is with any writers room I think is not being afraid of saying a stupid idea and also not being precious about the ideas that you do have. And, of course, making the focus the final product and not, you know, how many jokes did I get in this outline? Let's talk a little bit about Princess Bubblegum because she's going in some interesting directions now. Yes. The PB that we see in these episodes is different from the one that we left last season, the one that Hinden Walsh, who is the the voice of our uh, Princess Bubblegum, said on our show (laughs) is a benevolent fascist. Um, mm-hmm. she's no longer the benevolent fascist. She's regrouping. Uh, how do you, how do you see her evolving at this point? I really love actually, um, that I got to come in 
at a time when, when PB was making that shift because, I mean, there are so many hearts to this show, but of course PB, I mean, PB is one of my favorite characters and particularly I think an important one as almost like a, maybe an aspirational figure for young girls because she's so smart and inventive and she's in a position of leadership. But I think, like you said, she sort of also realized that being a uh, benevolent dictator, even though it's benevolent, yes. um, is sort of an unsustainable thing for her. So I think she's going through this really um, interesting arc where she's sort of realizing that maybe, you, you know, she's kind of the mother that has to let the kid grow up in a way. And I think that gives her, like, a lot more... I think what it's going to do for us is going to let us take her in a lot more places than we could before. She's going to be able to have a lot more different types of adventures and interesting things happen in this new emotional space that she's entering into. Because there's not a rigidity to her, you know, anymore. Um, she's sort of realizing that that path for her isn't, isn't something that she can really keep doing. Now, in the Bonnie and Nettie episode, we get a little bit more of Princess Bubblegum's origin story. Enough, I mean, not a lot, but enough to see that, that she and, and Nettie, her, her dragon uh, brother, her <laughs> tree root sucking dragon brother, um, mm-hmm. both come from a mother gum, a big blob of pink goo. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that this part of the origin story helps us understand about her character? PB has been alive for so long and she's still growing. Like she's still changing. She's still learning. So I think the, the really awesome thing about that is, is knowing that PB is an incredibly intelligent and self-aware character and she's adaptable. Um, even though she's been, uh, been alive for like an insane amount of time. And also I think there's always just something fun about, about knowing more about the world before, um, the candy kingdom was, was made. Um, I, I love. I personally, because I, I was a fan of the show before I started writing for it, and still am. Um, but it's always awesome to see some of the effects of the mushroom war and seeing how Ooh became the Ooh that we know now. Is the mother gum from which Nettie and and Princess Bubblegum both sprang a result of the mushroom war? I'm not sure. I can say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ever going to find out much about the mushroom war? By the way, do you know much about the mushroom war? I know a bit. Okay. (laughs) You know a bit that has not yet been revealed to us audience members? Yes. Okay. Are we ever going to learn that bit ourselves? (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't say either way. Okay. I I was convinced for a long time that it was a war that had something to do with mushrooms, like actual... Fungus, <laughs> but uh, but my co-host set me straight that it was probably meant mushroom clouds. Right. As you look forward, and I know the show's been renewed and it has a, a wonderful future. What what parts of it are you really looking forward to working on? I love the idea of exploring um, more about Princess Bubblegum and Marceline, and I, I honestly, I mean, I just love all of the female characters on the show, and. It's important to me that um, female characters are highlighted in any show. Um, mm-hmm. And so focusing, you know, focusing on, on characters that maybe we don't see as often or we don't see different certain sides of and, and highlighting those. Um, it's funny, I, when I was talking to um, my brother about it, because he asked, you know, what it was like to write on Adventure Time. And I said, it's kind of, it's weird, it's kind of like writing fan fiction. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because... Uh, because, you know, I've been a fan for a long time, and it's a, it's a strange experience to be like, oh, I wonder what would happen if so-and-so met so-and-so. Um, <laughs> you so, can actually make that funny, happen. It's a, it's a funny experience. Do you think Princess Bubblegum and Marceline have changed recently because there is a woman in the writer's room? 
You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I try to be really conscious of how, um, in, in all of my writing, not just at Adventure Time, how um, what I'm saying uh, with any of my characters, but particularly female characters. But the other thing about it is that Adventure Time has always been a really responsible show in that way. It definitely wasn't a situation where I had to like roll up my sleeves and be like, well, the thing about sexism is, uh, <laughs> like they're very, they're very savvy, very smart right. people. She was a pretty complex character already. She was, yeah, she is. Ashley Birch, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thank you for having me. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, is a production of Infinite Guest and American Public Media. It's produced by Larissa Anderson and hosted by me, John Moe, and Open Mike Eagle. The Adventure Time end credits song that you heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Special thanks to Cartoon Network for their support. We want to hear from you. Go to infiniteguest.org, find conversation parade and find an episode leave a comment in our comment section mike and i love to chat with you over there you can also click on the link to send us an email from that page we're on twitter i'm at john mo mike is at mike underscore eagle and we're at infinite guest